0: So there's a note that I wrote down for this episode and I texted you and I said, there's something I wrote down about this episode that I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I am almost certain that you wrote down this note as well.
1: <laughs> yes, I do remember you texting me that. And then, and then as I was writing down notes, I like kept wondering which, which one of them it was. I, I've got a pretty good guess, though.
0: Yeah. So tell me, tell me what the note is.
1: My my guess is space fireworks.
0: Oh no, that's not what that's not what mine was. Okay. So my the thing I thought you were gonna write down, and maybe you still wrote it down, and this is another thing is that you know, the solar sailor that they use in this um, episode
1: yeah.
0: looks like Count Dooku's ship from Star Wars Episode Two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we we were not as 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 simpatico as I thought, but. I was certain. I was like, oh man, cuz it really does look like it like quite a bit. So, I thought that the, you know, if anyone else was going to immediately identify this thing with like a like a ship from the least liked Star Wars movie that you probably see for like a combined like 30 seconds of screen time, I thought it would be you. But that's just my own private mania. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody, and welcome to Out of Contracts, a show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard.
1: And I'm Brady Jungle.
0: And today we are talking about Explorers, which is Deep Space Nine, Season 3, Episode 22. Uh, it is written by uh, Hilary J. Bader and Renee Shavaria, and it is directed by Cliff Bowl. The Memory Alpha synopsis is, Cisco builds a replica of an 800-year-old Bajoran spaceship and tries to use it to prove that Bajoran explorers could have made it to Cardassia without developing warp drive. So uh, I think we've talked about this one several times on the show because you know I, I kind of affectionately refer to it as the one where Cisco builds a boat. Uh, yep. And I've been kind of curious to hear what you think of it because I think it's a real big-time... Your Mileage May Vary episode. You know, my wife and I watched this show not that long ago. And when we watched this episode of DS9, I liked this episode a lot. I think in large part because I am a dad and it's like about a lot. A lot of the episode is about like dad stuff. Yeah. Uh, and Kim thought it was really boring. <laughs> so I was kind of curious. I, I was, so I, but before we kind of get begin, like, where do you come down on the spectrum of heartwarming and boring
1: I liked it a lot. I, I thought it was a... Okay. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it... I mean, it's obviously, like, very sitcommy as DS9 can be sometimes. hmm You know, it's very much just... They kind of came up with a sci-fi premise for it, but it's really more of, like, a relation... Like, a family... Family drama
0: story. Yeah. They barely came up with a sci-fi, a sci-fi yes, premise barely. for it. Because it, it really is it's just, a like... a
1: sailboat in space.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's literally it is literally a sailboat it's like like it's it, they, they keep on talking about it's sails. like yeah
1: like you uh, yeah I, I didn't look into this of like if avery brooks is really into sailing or like whoever wrote it is but like avery brooks gets to deliver a lot of nautical jargon about yeah like, rigging the jib and this jettisoning the sprit sail and all sorts of stuff
0: yeah uh, well uh, looking at on Emory Alpha apparently the original story involved uh O'Brien doing this instead and then the producers whos were like oh we should do a father and son thing so uh
1: yeah, yeah. I guess I could see that but yeah it, it makes it makes more sense how it played out
0: mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. With,
1: like what they did with him and Jake and that
0: yeah well th- this episode also just has like something I really like about. About Cisco as a captain is that like I'm mean, obviously he has huge dad energy because he is like the only I guess he's not the only dad because I guess te- technically Kirk is also a dad but um, he doesn't know about that until later. Right.
1: He has to. I, I mean, he's James Kirk. He has to assume. Yeah, right?
0: he has to. He has to assume. Yeah. But um, the like I love how enthusiastic Cisco is. Like he really seems to like yeah savor life and like he just really enjoys like throwing himself into, you know, whatever he's working on. And, you and, know, and obviously, like, the other captains have things they're enthusiastic about, you know, certainly, like, uh, Janeway loves science and Picard, you know, loves <laughs> reading, you know. Or
1: like it seems like, like, seem like archaeology in that.
0: Yeah, yeah. But just as, like this is just him, like, I'm gonna build this thing and it's gonna be so cool, and and, and also, like, I, I love my son, and I'm gonna go on it with my son, and that's gonna be great, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he just, he's just very likable in this episode. Uh,
1: yeah, and just kind of how he jumps into the, like, you know, I think someone pretty early on is, I think, maybe it's O'Brien, like, is just, like, can't you just, like, essentially, like, do this all on the holodeck, like, sort of, like, make a computer model to figure out if this is possible or not? And he's like, yeah, no, but it's more fun to, like, literally like build the whole thing by hand and like weld all the pieces together and yeah like take yeah, it out and it fly it and sail it and you know they even they even drink have like dehydrated rations and and stuff to like be historically accurate
0: he, yeah he literally does say this is more fun like yeah. he yeah <laughs> uh, the one thing that i will say about this episode too is that i mostly remembered it as the boat episode but i think it has a pretty solid B pot also that I enjoyed. It also like there's a couple of like not necessarily like big plot points but like some things in here that kind of like portend to big plot points later. Like because uh, this is the first time that uh, Cassidy Yates is mentioned. You know obviously who, who I was like?
1: wondering if that was going to end up being Cassidy Yates. Yeah. Because at the very end um, like Jake and Cisco are talking. Jake's like you really should like start dating someone. And like I know this freighter captain i want you to meet and i was like i wonder if that's going to be cassidy yates
0: yeah it is and who, who, who ends up marrying i didn't realize Cisco. she yeah. showed
1: up this early though because this is like season three right
0: yeah they're 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 a little bit on again off again for a bit he's busy all the time and she's busy all the time and then also like there's a while where she's actually i think she actually goes to jail for a little while because i think she like is helping out the maquis for a bit and so that's like a so, hurdle they have to get over and stuff um but yeah, so she's on the show a lot, and I like, I like her a lot, that uh, actress, so I can't remember her name right now. But she's not in this episode, but um, I, I like Cassidy quite a bit. So yeah, this is the first time that Cassidy's mentioned. Uh, this is also, I think, the, one of the first times that Julian Bashir getting 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 like second like, getting a salutatorian because of this missed question is mentioned, which you find out later. Like, he missed it on purpose so people wouldn't realize that he was... Uh, uh, augmented, although I think that's oh, and he was genetically
1: engineered. Yeah,
0: my guess would be that's a retcon, but like you know, uh, it's
1: yeah, because he seems pretty genuinely upset about it. Upset the, about it in yeah. this one,
0: yeah. But uh, uh, you know, that's that's something that's, that's talked about here, um, and also this actually, I think also might be the first episode the lead is in as well, which is who's also another like oh, character really character on the show, in that, yeah,
1: in in that I, like incredibly awkward role play yes, it <laughs> yeah. happens at the very start,
0: yeah, I'm kind of I'm looking up and now
1: because I, I was wondering at the time, like it, it, was that the sort of thing where like they were already together? because like, it seems like it seems like the sort of like they're already together, but like maybe trying to keep it a secret or maybe just get really into role play i don't know
0: Uh, i think i you know yeah i don't know they're both like young single people like i think like yeah i think they're just kind of like it was their way of like flirting but yeah this is the first episode she's in so yeah a lot of a lot of firsts in this episode because lita's in a lot of the show like she's in uh 16 episodes of ds9 which is a good amount so so lots of like little little things in this episode that to to talk about um that that scene also by the way we can actually start with that scene because it's not the main plot but like I did have I did laugh out loud at the uh, the way that Julian tries to get Jesse oh, to, 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 to leave. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and actually, yeah. Why don't we just start with the B plot? Like, let's. Why don't you take us in? Yeah,
1: sure. Yeah, yeah, because I think that is actually that might actually be the first scene. Yeah, that's the, of the that's the teaser of is, the show. Yeah. yeah. Um, like before Cisco shows up, but yeah, is that what you're talking about with that scene? So basically, like. Bashir's in Quark's bar and Lita comes up and starts flirting with him and like it seems to be going well and then Jedzia is just kind of there and like clearly enjoying like messing up Bashir's vibe yeah and so Bashir like pulls out a pad and is just like oh here's that you know that research that you were asking for and he hands it to her and she holds it up and it just says go away yeah. <laughs> in like one of, I think the few times that we actually like see what's on the screen of a pad. Um, but it's just like huge letters. Yeah, that's go that's away. the
0: only thing that's on it. Like, yeah, it's really funny. Like uh, it's, it's a very funny, it's a very good, like comedic timing. And yeah, it's, it's a good use of that.
1: Yeah. And then, and so she's like, Oh, well, I just thought you would might like to know that this other doctor who was in Bashir's medical school class and was the only person who finished ahead of him in the class, and he's always been, like, incredibly jealous of, is coming to the station. And he gets, like, very flustered and upset by this.
0: Her name is Elizabeth Lenz, by the way. Is the, That's the name of the, the character. She's played by uh, uh, Barry uh, Hochwald, I think, or Hochwald.
1: Yeah, and so then he talks to, he talks a little bit to Jesse and talks to O'Brien about how you know, basically there was the final exam, there was one question that he got wrong, and and so she was, you know, the head of the class, and she got her first pick of, I, I guess that's how Starfleet Medical works, is, like, whoever finishes at the top of the class gets their first pick of what assignment they take, like, what ship they get to serve on, and the next one gets to pick the next one. Yeah. And he's just, like, really upset that, like, someone else, because apparently this ship was, like, sort of the like, prime target that everybody wanted and someone asks him like well did you want to serve on the chip? and he's like no no i always wanted to be on deep space nine in a very like sure everyone believes you julian type of way
0: he said before though i think even in like the first episode of the show which i think is his first it was his i think it was his first day on ds9 or he's you know he's he's pretty new then he he says like he considers like working on d s nine to be doing like frontier medicine, which is, he was really excited about, so I think that's i think uh, that oh, is actually right, yeah. sincere uh on his okay. part, yeah, so then like
1: they they end up they're they're both in quarks, and he's like kind of trying to get up the nerve to go over and say something to her he's like sitting at his table and essentially she like walks right past him and like he like tries to make eye contact with her and she just keep like doesn't recognize him and keeps on walking and he's even more like flustered and upset by this by kind of that reaction of like sh- that he just is like so insignificant to her that she doesn't even recognize him mm. and so uh he goes and gets drunk with o'brien in a great scene that's just played very well by by both of them but yeah. especially by cole Meaney. I love
0: cool meaning. Yeah, he's so good. Well, so I, I want to talk about that scene, but actually before we do, I was I was kind of curious about a couple of things, you know, talking about, like, the circumstances of uh, Bashir getting to be the salutatorian instead of the valedictorian. One of them is, was it just that, like, he got, like, 100% of everything right until that one question he missed? Or are grades public in Starfleet Academy? You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know what oh, my... Oh,
1: just, like, how he... How did he how know he that, that, like...
0: If he gotten this one question right.
1: right. Yeah, because he makes it sound, like, basically, like, through the whole, like, course of... Of school, Like, they were kind of neck and neck and always, like, competing with each other for the top grades and that. Yeah. But, yeah, like, you shouldn't ever actually, like, know what someone else's grades were.
0: Yeah, but she also knows, because, like, later on she talks to him and, and she's like, oh, yeah, if you hadn't gotten... And she even knows that he got the... What question like, he what got, Like, what specific wrong. question? Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's like, how, how does this work, like, you know?
1: Yeah, maybe since it's a military school, there's not... Yeah. yeah, the same degree of like privacy. Um, that is a really good question,
0: though. The other question I was going to ask is that like, is the question he got wrong? Is that gibberish, or does that make sense to you? He says that he must mistook a preganglionic fiber for a postganglionic nerve.
1: Yeah, that that's that seems like feasibly like that could be something that would make sense. Is yeah that they like have like a microscopic like like they're basically like different like technically the a postganglionic fiber or preglinglyrombinic fiber would be, like, part of a, like, overall, like, nerve cell, mm-hmm. but sometimes they just talk about, like, kind of the central body of the cell as, like, the cell and then, like, these long things that come off of it. They don't really, I don't know how you could really get, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, if, if it's, like, before, like, they would technically both be nerves, but yeah, you could get theoretically, like, distinguish between something that's, like, Ganglionic, like before it goes into like a ganglion, which is kind of a collection of like a bunch of nerves that all network with each other, and then one that's like one that's coming into it and one that's leaving it. Um, so then like they would they would technically both be nerves, like there wouldn't it be kind of weird for like to call one of them a fiber and one of them a nerve, but
0: and then how, how would one mistake one for another on a test? Like, I, I guess, like, I, I'm imagining in my head like that he's got like a test on a pad and like there's two different pictures and it's like click the (laughs) click the nerve or whatever but that seems like what would he have to do be doing that like in some kind of like a field field work type thing like under a microscope identifying things or
1: no i mean you you could maybe have it under like a microscope My like kind of what i'm picturing is a similar thing yeah where they like have maybe they have like the whole structure and it's like label kind of what the different parts of it are Mm -hmm. and there's like a b c and you, you like oh sure yeah yeah that makes sense. Called this one pre-ganglionic and that one post-ganglionic or something like that. Okay. Um, gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, it's such a like microscopic thing that literally. Uh, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> that and I mean like I'm sure high definition microscope technology is much better in Star Trek, but that yeah, it would either have to be under a microscope or like a or it would just be like a drawing of of the thing and you'd have to label
0: like what it is. Yeah. All right. Well. This has been Brady's Mechal Corner. Mm. So, okay. Yeah, so I, I, I want to ask you about that. But getting back to the scene between uh, Bashir and Julian, like, again, this is another thing I really liked about this episode. Yeah, because they, they have uh, – everyone really goes in, uh, I think, for Star Trek – as far as, like, Star Trek friendships go, I think everyone from this show really goes in on Julian's friendship with Garrick which is good. I I like Mm. it. But like, I love the friendship that Julian and, and O'Brien have on the show.
1: Yeah. It seems like a really good, like bromance.
0: Yeah. And and especially because like, like that scene, you know, when, when they first kind of do uh, the first couple of years on the show, they don't like each other very much. Or or more accurately, like O'Brien does not like Julian, you know, and they kind of like end up slowly kind of warming to each other over time do they have like this this until they have this really nice like friendship and it is like just cool to see them like kind of getting drunk and then you know uh O'Brien actually like offers a little bit of like vulnerability and is like hey you know like I you know I used to not like you and now i i don't not it's- like you like, like, i like you you know <laughs> yeah
1: that, that part was great because he because he starts out with because basically Bashir's trying to figure out why she didn't talk to him he's like you know maybe she like hates you or like Maybe she's secretly in love with you and like didn't want you to know, and and O'Brien is is like, I mean that's very true. You're a very, like you're one of those people that everyone either absolutely loves you or absolutely hates you. And he's like, well, take me for ex for for example, like when you first came on the ship, I hated you, and then yeah, and then he just kind of like trails off, <laughs> and and Bashir like kind of looks at him sort of eagerly. Wanting that like validation, yeah, and he's like, and and what about now? And and O'Brien's just like, now, I don't, yeah, and and again, like Cole Meany, like plays it for. Per- I love just how he plays it because then he's like, then he kind of comes in his very sincere with him He's like, and that's coming from the heart. I really mean that. I really, I really don't hate you. Yeah,
0: I really do not hate you anymore is what he says yeah
1: yeah it's so good (laughs) yeah it's it's it's, it's cool man he's just just so good in that scene like the sort of like kind of drunken and he's got this like very like comical like screwdriver prop that he's sort of playing with yeah and like he spends half the thing like with his mouth full of like peanuts that he's munching on yeah but like also like trying to have a conversation through them
0: yeah, I really want to see some of his the movies he's in because he's like one of the only Star Trek actors who has like an actual movie career and I would really like to see some of that stuff i d- I did see he's in um he's in die hard 2 which I watched recently um really but he's like barely in it he plays like an airline pilot who gets killed by the terrorists um but like it's it's definitely him like you see he has lines and stuff and we can kill and I're like no don't, don't die O'Brien like when he he crashes <laughs> right. into the ground but yeah he's really good um i I would like to see more of his stuff. Some people there's just not a lot of opportunity to do that stuff, but I think with him you could actually you could actually see him in some other things um, yeah, so then eventually Bashir does kind of screw up the courage to go talk to to lens at the end right
1: yeah and and eventually essentially finds out that like she never actually knew what he looked like. Like, she had, I guess, got introduced to him at a party at one point, but thought that he was... Like, she got introduced to two people, and one was him, and another one was an Andorian, and she thought he was the Andorian. And that's why she didn't recognize him. But then they have a nice little scene where they kind of, like, both reminisce a little bit about med school, and she actually says, like, well, you know, this... It turns out this ship that everyone wanted to be on is actually kind of boring and like sometimes I wish I was on Deep Space Nine like you and then they like go off together to talk more or something
0: I think right when he finds out that like rather than like feeling like she beat him like she's always kind of admired him you know and like I thought that he was really an equal competitor and and just that like she's really impressed with his work like she because she actually then
1: yeah she's like read some of the stuff he's published
0: yeah they go talk about they go talk about uh, like this thing that she'd already knew that he was working on. Um, so yeah, it's like a cool little, like just, you know?
1: Yeah. The one thing, did you catch in that scene that um, it took me a while to catch it? Cause they keep kind of cutting back and forth between like shots of him and shots of her. And like the lighting's a little bit, like he's very like dimly lit and she has like, like lights like straight on her face. Mm-hmm. But did you notice that she's wearing the older style of uniform?
0: Oh like the like the ship uniform
1: yeah like she's wearing the like the next generation uniform mm-hmm. and this is before they've switched to the like fully black and gray like it's yeah. the the Voyager style where it's the yeah the best The style. colored like shoulders yeah but yeah but they it took me a while because they kept cutting back and forth but yeah when they kind of like walk off together you can see it that they're they're in two different um, uniform styles
0: We could talk forever about like the uniform consistency. Because I don't think anyone's ever explained it. Um, I was I was actually looking at a Twitter thread about it recently, just kind of like weird times where like different things have happened. My impression has always been that like, because I believe this episode takes place prior to um, Voyager starting, if I'm if I'm not mistaken.
1: Probably yeah. And so well, I don't know because the Maquis are already around. Yeah, pro- probably like a little before like right around the time.
0: Mm-hmm. So it was it was always my it was always my impression that um, the uniform that they that she's wearing like the, the 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 TNG uniform is like the uniform that people wear like on ships and then if you like don't work on a ship you have like a different like as your main job you have like, a different uh, uniform um, but then obviously like in Voyager they're using the same style of uniform that they use on DS9 for the beginning of DS9 Yeah
1: I always I guess I always assumed that it was a the type of thing of just, like, you know, Starfleet sort of, like, cycles through at, like, different periods. But because ships are spread out all across the galaxy, they, like, each ship hasn't necessarily updated to the most current one. Yeah. Which doesn't make too much sense, because you just replicate them all anyways. So mm. you would think you could just, like, send out a memo and be like, start making these uniforms now. Because even in in Discovery, right, like, the the Enterprise crew has different uniforms, than, like, the Discovery.
0: Yeah, but see, I think that that is, I think, supposed to be explained in that, like, the Discovery is ostensibly, like, a science vessel. You know, so they're wearing, like, the science... Oh,
1: so just everyone has... Yeah. Oh,
0: okay. But uh, I wish I could find this sort of thread, but because, like, they even point out, in, like, one, in, in one of the TNG movies, like, Picard is wearing the ugly grey on black with, like, a colored turtleneck. Uh, uniform and then other people on the bridge are wearing the old TNG uniform really <laughs> so, yeah so it's i, I don't think that there's a, there is an actual like adequate explanation for like how that works but um
1: i mean my guess in at least in this episode my guess would be that like you had a guest star who was going to be in like a couple scenes and just like in in the whole wardrobe like this was what fit her yeah and Extra stuff.
0: but even on like even on the newer shows, like where you think they'll be more consistent about that stuff, like we're watching the Lower Decks right now, and you know every time they cut to to Riker or, or you know whatever is going on, on yeah, the yeah, that's Titan, true this like, ship has a different he's wearing the gray on black stuff from the from the shows, and then you know obviously the crew of of the cerritos has the Lower X style uniforms um, yeah which which part of me like would i would kind of kill to, to see those uniforms in a, a live action by the way because i think those uniforms look really cool
1: they seem yeah they seem very um, very
0: cool so yeah I don't, I don't know that it really like makes a lot of sense but i that was always kind of my like impression was that like it was like it was like a ship based thing uh not necessarily of like the, uh, the like timing what, but like of
1: what kind of sort of like what kind of your job of your mission was yeah uh, what, what your ship
0: is yeah that's always what i kind yeah. of thought but okay and, you know, that makes more sense. it's even to you know you go back even to the original series where all the people on the on the ship their uniforms have the Delta signal on them but then a lot of other people in Starfleet their insignia is not a delta it's other things like the next time you watch a, a, an original series episode you should look out for it because like some people have like a spiral I mean, I know that some or some like, have like there's like something.
1: the science spiral yeah or, like,
0: the... but some of them don't even have a delta at all though it's like they have, they have like a total other Symbol on their on their uniform, so yeah. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I, I did not notice that though, so good, good catch. <laughs>
1: it's been a while since we've had a, a good uniform
0: diversion. Um, all right, so I think that's that kind of covers the B plot. Um, it's a fun little B plot. Yeah.
1: And so the other thing that happens is that Cisco comes back from having been on some sort of he was at some sort of conference or grand opening of something like something on Bajor and he comes. And I I kind of wondered, like, I spent the episode expecting there to be, like, some reason that he was having a almost sort of, like, midlife crisis type of thing. Because he comes back and is, like, he has grown a beard and he decides to build a sailboat. Yeah. (laughs) And so I wondered if there was, like, some sort of, like, something happened that he's unsure about or, like, he just wants to, like, feel alive or something like that. It it didn't end up really turning out that way. Um,
0: Well, I mean, he, I think he wants to build a boat because he saw this. Thing when he was on the on Bajor.
1: Yeah, so he learned about this... There's kind of this sort of Bajoran history slash kind of legend that um, has been, it turns out, kind of suppressed by the Cardassians, but that basically hundreds of years ago, back before they had, like, warp drive or anything, that the Bajorans had built these solar sailing spaceships that, like, used solar radiation to travel through space and actually like even went to other planets and you know kind of the legend is that they made it all the way to Cardassia and the Cardassians have very much been like no that's impossible that could never happen because they won't admit that Bajorans invented spaceflight before C- Cardassians did mm-hmm. and so he Cisco decides to kind of just do a like proof of concept, like build a ship using the exact kind of specifications
0: and blueprints and that and prove that it
1: could travel through space. Mm-hmm.
0: This actually reminded me of something, you know, like that the Eternals movie is coming out soon and I've been listening to not even on purpose, but just like I've listened to a couple of podcasts recently that have kind of talked about um, the Eternals origins in comic books and how Their origin is that, like, they are these, like, extraterrestrials that have kind of stepped into guide Earth over time. And so they're also, like, where a lot of, like, the old mythology comes from with, with, like, they all have names that are kind of like Greek god names, like that kind of a thing. And Hmm. um, this kind of idea kind of clearly comes out of this sort of, um, you know, racist, imperialist theory that was kind of going around in the 70s i think which reminded me of this episode which is um i can't remember uh i know it has a name but if i can't remember i should try to see if i can figure that out while i'm talking but but basically like the the theory it was that there's no way that these primitive cultures uh like the egyptians or the aztecs could have done these huge feats of engineering, like. Um, the pyramids or the things in, in Tenochtitlan or or that kind of stuff. And so because there was no way that that could have happened, clearly it was a, some aliens came down and built those things or some aliens told them how to build them basically. And this is an actual like thing that like people believed back then. And maybe, maybe there are probably some, some people who believe it now, but, uh, there, there's like a famous book that was written in the seventies though. That's that is about this, but I can't, I can't figure out what it's called right now, but basically, um, that this is what it reminded me of is is that, uh, now obviously like they're it's not just like not believing that the that the Bajorans couldn't have built like a a space boat to get to Cardassia. It's not just it's not just that they don't believe it. It's because actually you find out at the end like they definitely do believe it, but they just like they they're yeah, hiding been evidence been that they're
1: like suppressing yeah, it. Yeah.
0: But yeah. like so it's less that and it's more just like nationalism, you know, kind of Cardassian supremacy reasons for not wanting to believe it basically because they want to in every way yeah, really. have the Cardassians appear to be superior to the Bajorans but it, that's what it reminded me of is, is kind of like this weird kind of like cultural suppression of, of history which happens a lot in real life too like there's, there's definitely examples of like, you know, people of color or marginalized groups like doing things before like whoever, the person who's kind of commonly associated with The thing is doing it, it and then not recognize. You know, we just kind of ignore it. So, I I, I thought that was kind of an interesting little subplot to all of this, basically.
1: Yeah, especially with the reveal at the end. Um, spoilers, I guess that like there was actually like evidence that it had happened all along that the Cardassians had been like sort of covering Mm -hmm. up, and then because like Cisco proved it, now they're just like, oh, how convenient that right now at this exact same time we also found this. Wrecked ship of a Bajoran ship that absolutely did come yeah. to Cardassia. Yeah.
0: So it was actually our idea, basically. What timing? Yeah. <laughs> <It was laughs> Spacefire. Yeah. Oh, by the way, with um, another thing I wanted to note before we keep going with in that open that in that opening scene uh, with Cisco and Jake. So this is, I believe, one of, like, three episodes, three or four episodes, where Cisco has both facial hair and head hair.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. I was trying to figure out why he looked very...
0: Yeah, he does look weird.
1: Like, it was, like, not a usual look for him, and that's yeah. that's it. Because, yeah, yeah
0: prior prior to, in, in for the rest of season three and seasons one and two, he has hair and no beard. And then in the, by the way, there is a, yes, there is a uh, Memory Alpha page for beards. So I was just looking at while we were talking. Um, it, and <laughs> part of it is just, like, a list of notable characters who have a beard at one point. Um, yeah, and then, and then in seasons four through seven, he has his iconic look of beard and shaved head. Uh, and I was I was actually reading about this a while ago that the reason why he, he originally didn't have facial hair is that he was kind of the main other thing that Avery Brooks is known for was he was on a show, he was on like a detective show called Spencer Colon For Hire. And he was the assistant to the um, main character, uh, his name was Hawk. And then he actually was in his own sp- short-lived spinoff show called A Man Called Hawk. Okay. And then um he actually was in after uh Spencer for Hire was was taken off the air, uh while he was still doing Deep Space Nine, Avery Brooks was continued to be in like some Spencer for Hire TV movies actually. Uh, and so yeah, if you go if uh, you go look him up on Letterboxd, like he has so few credits, but like several of them are just like the Spencer for Hire movies, and he has like the look that he would later have on DS9 as Hawk. He looks very similar, and so they were kind of like they gave him like his original haircut uh, for DS9 to try to get him to not look as much like Hawk from those shows. Um, so then I don't know why they decided to change it, but maybe he maybe he just likes having that look. But yeah, then ultimately they decided to go a different way with it but yeah this is like a, a this weird little like stretch of time where uh he has both bits of hair which it, it does look unusual uh, until you kind of like realize what's going on
1: yeah
0: well uh, we talked a lot about about like this one scene yeah so uh keep going
1: yeah and so he comes in he builds this builds this ship and he Asked uh, his son Jake to come with him. He's like, you know, I thought it would be this great idea for this father-son thing. And Jake, like, at first doesn't want to and is busy and then ends up deciding he, to come He with
0: decides him. to come with him because he gets, like, an acceptance letter from a writing school, and so he wants to talk to him about that, I, I think, is kind of, like, the impetus. Yeah, thing. so, yeah. I, I, have to, I gotta say, though, I gotta say, the scene where they're eating dinner and Sisko invites Jake to come with, uh, we haven't done, like, a kid clothing check-in on the show for a while, the shirt that Jake <laughs> is wearing is like Buck Wild, even for Jake. Like it has a square collar. Like like there's just like it's the same like fabric that he always is wearing, which looks like old old drapes he's wearing.
1: Yeah, but like three different types all kind of just yeah. like slashed and like stuck together. And-
0: yeah, but his collar, it's like it's like sewn on to the rest of his shirt, his collar is. And it, it's the same shape where like if you had some, a pair of jeans with like a big hole in the knee and you patched it up with like a square piece of denim, like that's what it looks like. And that's <laughs> and there's just a big hole cut in that for his head. It looks so <laughs> dumb. <laughs> like uh, I just I cannot, I think the clothing ultimately may be the thing where Star Trek will be the most off about the future i hope e- either that or just the idea that there will be human beings left alive you know uh by them but uh <laughs> yeah well, we'll see. <laughs> you know it, assuming that we all make it i think i just don't think anyone's ever going to be dressing that way i mean you know i could be wrong you know Jinko jeans were a thing like i'm sure if uh i was watching something in like the 80s and there were these characters who in a star trek show who wore Jinko jeans and i would be like what no one's gonna wear these huge pants like but Still seems unlikely to me.
1: Yeah. Although I I mean the outfit that Cisco has when they're like actually flying the ship is like or even his welding outfit, like neither one of those are really like normal clothes by any sense either.
0: But they look better, yeah.
1: But yeah, not as outlandishly eye catching as, as well the kid, the
0: kids' clothes are just so crazy, like just universally like just like the yarn yeah, kids yeah. just wear like that kind of like that wool, like those like wool unitards that are still somehow like multi-layered and you're like how do you even put these on like uh yeah the, the kids fashion in particular it just feels like it's never going to it's just not going to happen
1: yeah um but yeah and so they they go off on on the ship and and then most of like a good part of the episode is various nautical th- things will happen and then they'll be interspersed with them having kind of family conversations and so so jake tells cisco about this Well, so first Jake like shows him something that he's written and Cisco reads it and is kind of like, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Keep working on it type of
0: not like in a mean way though. Like in like a very, just kind of like, yeah, I'm very proud of you that you're trying this, but like, you know, there's, there's um some, yeah, that's actually another thing that this episode kind of portends is I think this is the first episode that starts Jake's like desire to be a writer uh, which obviously becomes like a huge thing for like the rest of the show is like him kind of pursuing this writing career, which I would say is not particularly welcome. I don't really enjoy that very much, uh, that subplot on like the show as a whole. But, you know, I guess I appreciate they're trying to do something different with him. You know, they don't want to swim, turn him into like Wesley again. But, uh,
1: right. Is it a better or worse subplot than Jake keeps trying to have adult Bajoran girlfriends?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it certainly is more. Time-consuming than that. Like I think that only happens like okay. there's only a few episodes where that happens, and and him being like a writer and talking about being a journalist and then going and doing like a war journalism that kind of ends up becoming a pervasive thing throughout the rest of the show. Like this whole uh, thing. Which I which I okay. as a writer find irritating because Jake kind of just seems like he sucks at writing <laughs> and doesn't also understand like what journalism is or how to do it. But uh, that's that I'll complain about that on a different episode where he's actually like doing stuff.
1: Um, hey. So so then this is when Jake kind of tells Cisco that, that he got accepted to this school in New Zealand, and Cisco gets very, like, excited and happy for him, and he's like, yeah, but I decided I'm not going to go because he just wants to spend more time on Deep Space Nine with his... And also, he's a little worried about that ever since his mom died, his dad hasn't really... Like, he's got, like, his crew on the station, and then, like, he's got Jake, but hasn't really, like, opened himself up to anybody else. Yeah. And so... That's when he kind of talks him into starting to maybe date again or and sort of sets him up with who apparently ends up being Cassidy Yates. And yeah, there's just a lot of kind of like father-son talk and heart-to-heart type stuff.
0: It's very sweet. It's, like, it's just like very well done. It's just all kind of very character-based yeah. stuff and it's not like, you know, super important to the plot or anything like that. It's just kind of like seeing these two people develop their relationship and I don't know, I really liked it. It's It feels very like... On the part of both of them, like it feels very like heartfelt, and I think, I think in real life, like those two were got along very well, like on the show, like
1: yeah, you can tell they kind of have a sort of almost like kind of proxy relationship. That yeah, I also there's a a story that that Cisco tells that for some reason I just kind of like enjoyed as a, like how they kind of wove it into the world building about when he first went to the Starfleet Academy. Because he's, you know, he's trying to convince Jake that, like, yeah, you may like miss home or be lonely for a little bit, and then you'll really get into it. And so he's saying that, you know, he went to the Starfleet Academy, but then every day, like after class, he would essentially beam back home to like Louisiana, yeah, and just like show up in his parents' dining room and like sit down and have lunch with them. Which I thought was just kind of like a fun thing that, like, I'm sure does happen in Star Trek because people would like just kind of like visiting home from college is as simple yeah. as yeah and they say like you had like transporter credits or something that you used up but
0: yeah i do think about that sometimes like comm- commuting on earth in the future must be a breeze you know it's like you could live wherever you want and then yeah and then work, work, work. wherever you want yeah <laughs> you know it doesn't matter yeah that does sound nice like i, I hate i i hate That'd be real nice driving like to work like, like it's i mean, not not no one likes it but like just like I do think about that sometimes like you know when people like say things like oh if you had a superpower like what would it be and sometimes i'm like i would just want to teleport so that way i would never have to
1: Yeah that seems like it would be the most convenient of just like the amount of time you yeah. would gain cuz i don't really you know cuz there's people that spend like 2 or 3 hours a day just sitting in a car in traffic
0: going to and from work Yeah depending on traffic i probably am in traffic for an hour and a half or so and yeah i'm i've just i am sometimes just like yeah it'd just be nice to just be able to snap my fingers when i was and I'd be there um and, and and I feel that way just generally like you know you know every now and then i'm having on a road trip I'm like it's like fun to like look outside and stuff, but usually I'm always just like I just want to be where I am supposed to be just ready to like be there, yeah,
1: yeah, and then kind of the i guess climax as much as there could be a climax to this
0: well so like during their kind of heart to heart, there's a couple of different times where like something goes wrong on the ship and usually it's something you could kind of relate to a sailboat where it's like something goes wrong with the sail. Yeah, like a
1: mast breaks or a sail falls off or something. Yeah, usually it's a sail falling off. And then they end up kind of being hit by... What they end up figuring out happens is they get hit by a wave of tachyons, which are like particles that move faster than light. So suddenly they've been like hurled forward at warp speed. And the jolt of that breaks his space sextant. Um, which is another like really fun thing that he's super excited yeah. to play with. Um, and so they have no way of knowing like how far they've gone or really where they are. Cause they also don't have, you know, like a computer or all the stuff that they're used to having on a starship. And so they're kind of like stuck adrift waiting for someone to come and rescue them. And then suddenly they're approached by Gold Dukat and some Cardassian ships who are like, well, you did it. You came to Cardassia. Yeah. You know, just like you said, you were going to. Congratulations, kind of begrudgingly, and then that's when they they do the whole. Coincidentally, we also just discovered this artifact that, like, is further proof that the Bajorans, you know, did do this, really impressive thing all along. And they're just, and they also have kind of figured out, kind of through this tachyon thing, that like that must have been how they did it, how they like managed to travel that far.
0: Yeah, and they and they set off, as you said, space fireworks to to, rec- to recognize you know, what they had done. That scene is interesting because like at first when they don't realize where they are, when, when Cisco and Jake don't realize where they are, like the, the ships kind of come up and they're all warships and they're kind of like, Oh, what's going on? You know? And I was thinking about like how they all could have been like, potentially like a lot more fraught than it ended up being because like at this point the Cardassians and the, and the Federation aren't at war, but you know, they're trying to keep this, this thing quiet. And, and Cisco doesn't know where he is, and he doesn't appear to have any communication. You know, not that Ducat knows that, but, like, you almost kind of feel like if things had gone, like, a little bit different, the Majorans could have just, like, blown them up and then just be like, well, you know.
1: Yeah, and it's just, like, they went out on this voyage and then they were never found. Something must have happened to them in space. Yeah, because, like... Because they're traveling through, like, a dangerous... Like, they keep talking about this belt or field or, like, something that they're traveling through that, like is potentially dangerous for a ship that flimsy that they could get hit by like an ion storm or something like that.
0: Yeah. Um, and part of me was kind of like, Oh, Cisco don't give the game away because like Cisco kind of is like, what are you talking about? Yeah, and it's like, like you got,
1: you got to act, where am I?
0: Yeah. Uh, you got, you got to act like you meant to come here so that, yeah, you know, to, to kind of like, I said at the beginning of the episode that the solar sailboat that they use looks a lot like Count Dooku's, um, Starship from Star Wars Episode 2, which is also, like, a, a solar... I think it's actually called a Solar Sailor, I believe. And it's, like, another, like, solar-powered uh, ship that uses, like, these kind of f- f- uh, flexible solar sails to, to move around. And
1: yeah, I was thinking this is this is another episode that, like, would have been really good to have That's Not How Science Works oh, show sure. up on to, like, explain yeah. to us how... Because how so- I know Solar Sail is, like, an actual, at least, like... Theoretical
0: technology that's been proposed for uh-huh. space travel, but um, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Um, but that, there's parallels there. But then I was kind of like his kind of greeting by Gold Dukat where like he kind of is like, "What are you talking about?" Like it, it kind of reminded me a little bit also Star Wars Episode Two when uh, Obi Wan Kenobi goes to Kamino. And is sort of just kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, right. I'm I'm here. That's why I'm here. Yeah, that, that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's why I'm here. Like the, you know, <laughs> where he's kind of. But Obi Wan does a little bit better job of like kind of at least kind of half pretending like he's supposed to be there. You know, right. where Cisco is like, oh, cool. Like you know, I didn't didn't try to do this, but here I am. You know. Yeah. Um. But uh. But just seems maybe maybe it's just I think I don't know I, I got that vibe really. The first time I watched the show, because at this point uh and the show Ducat is still relatively ambiguous, you know, but mm-hmm. uh I think maybe knowing what I know now it's a little bit more sinister, you know the the potential of what he could have done to them, but yeah, I'm kind of like, man keep it keep it close to your vest, then yeah, but yeah, just play along um trying to think i uh I think I have pretty exhaustively gone through my notes and plus some other things that I wasn't planning on talking about, like beards and things like that um. <laughs>
1: The the one thing, there's one point where Bashir and, I again I, I forget who he's talking to because he talks with both Dax and O'Brien about this, but is talking about this other doctor that he's jealous of, and he, he throws away a line that says he says basically like, well she's probably like discovered a cure for aging or something like that by now, and I just thought to myself like no that was that's that other guy with the, the like cellular
0: entertainment. Uh, oh yeah <laughs> <a> thanks
1: that's <laughs> yeah. it's a different guy
0: <laughs> yeah yeah but he he's getting shut down by the, what was the you remember when he when he uh he keeps on talking about like the the generates or something like like he keeps on
1: oh yeah what is it the yeah like conformists or something like that yeah <laughs> what a good episode and then the the other thing that i that I just kind of wanted to go off on is this is like a thing that they'll do sometimes in Star Trek that always gets to me is, like, referring to modern times as, like, ancient history or, like, the Dark Ages or something like that. Mm-hmm. When, like, the parallel... Like, I feel like it's not long enough ago for you... Because they this one, they always talk about, like, what the ancient Bajorans would have done. Um, but it's... What did you say at the beginning? It's, like, 800... 800, yeah, ago, 800 years ago. Which I feel like isn't... Right, like, that would be the equivalent of, like the twelve hundreds, so like the Crusades. Which like I, I feel like you wouldn't use the term ancient to talk about something that long ago. If you try to apply like kind of current like like I don't know if there's a transitive property of antiquity.
0: But Yeah, I, I don't know if there's like a, an official standard for when you use the word ancient. I I know that like people talk about ancient Rome and they mean like the Roman Empire, which so like, you know, that's like yeah, but that's like two thousand years old, you know, or so. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, but yeah, I don't know what. But the I feel like you wouldn't talk about things. like
1: the Middle Ages as, right, as being ancient, like I, I don't know. It's it seems like a time period that's like in the like thousands of years, mm-hmm. at least.
0: Yeah, I don't know, but uh, I'm 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 not sure if there's if there's a standard for that. You
1: know, because there's like McCoil always like whenever he has to to like practice any sort of medicine that's not tricorder based is it's just like oh man like the dark ages of medicine are like prehistoric stuff and it's just like well it's you know it's like 300 years Mm -hmm. it's not that yeah yeah surely there was like still recorded history from now is like still around in right the 24th century although i guess there's been like some world wars between now and then so maybe stuff's been lost yeah
0: the, by the way, the thing that the uh, Cellular uh, Regeneration Entertainment Chamber guy, the thing he keeps on saying is is the soulless minions of orthodoxy uh, is the, <laughs> That's the people he keeps on complaining about.
1: Like that are like hunting him down or whatever.
0: Yeah. That episode ruled. What a good episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, the only other thing, I, I was looking through my notes again, the one thing I missed talking about was that part of me didn't want them to find, didn't, didn't want them to get to Cardassia because I wanted them to prove kira wrong because there's this one scene i think the only scene with kira in the episode at the very beginning where she gets very like snooty about the idea that maybe the majority didn't get the Card- cardassia because like she has no evidence that they did and o'brien is kind of like well why do you have to build this thing like they couldn't have gotten there because of this reason this reason this reason scientifically you know yeah. and i think cisco's response of like well i just want to see i just want to try it yeah. out myself
1: because he's not even intending to go all the way to Cardassia. Like, he just kind of wants to prove that it can, like, make a trip through space. Yeah. Like, I think he was trying to get, like, up to that, like, I keep wanting to call it the Kuiper Belt, but that's a real thing that is different. But, like, like up to that point, but not travel, like, through that and all the way to Cardassia. Yeah. Um, and then it's just kind of by accident that they end up making it all the way there.
0: Yeah, and she kind of accuses him of sounding like a Cardassian, but, but he's not, O'Brien's not doing anything wrong i don't think he's just like well that just doesn't make any sense to me and she says, like ugh, like how could you not believe this thing we have no evidence for you know and it, it, it bugged yeah. me. yeah uh, but then i did i will say she, she gives him sounding like Cardassian, and then he has a pretty good retort to her and he says well you're sounding like a, a romulan and she's like a romulan and he says yeah there's no piece of technology in existence that you don't cl- that they didn't claim they invented before they everybody invented. else yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets a, a lick on her but i mean i, yeah. I, I, I like the episode but it just like i was just like oh come on Kara. like you know people are allowed to like ask questions about that stuff you know
1: yeah because he because he's not doing it in a like like for him it's it's more of a scientific thing like he's not saying like yeah. that bajorans couldn't have done something like that or anything like that it's more just like that like the science doesn't make sense for a ship to have made it through this
0: well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, this is a this has been a fun one. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed the episode, Brady. Uh, this would be in my if I was going to make like a my, a, a season long like all hits no no filler uh, DS9. I think I would definitely put this episode in there. But um, we come out every other week, so in a couple Sundays you can return and we're going to be talking about Enterprise season one. Episode 11, called "Cold Front," and I gotta say, I'm not gonna like real spoil it, but like I'm getting excited because we, you know, we have kind of every 10 or 11 episodes, we kind of have like planned out ahead of time. And so we're about to, we're kind of, we're coming up on a little bit of an Enterprise uh streak, you know. And I think you and I are both like saying, like Enterprise, like make us, make us like you, Enterprise. Yeah, we want, we want to like we're it. You to know, give
1: Enterprise a chance and hoping that it comes a little bit in our direction too. Yes,
0: yeah, so we're gonna start a little, a little mini arc of. uh of Enterprise episodes here, um, so our first one is going to be Enterprise season one episode eleven, Cold Front. Uh, so you can check back with us in a couple weeks there. Um, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, contracts. You can follow us on YouTube at contracts. You can email, or sorry, out of contracts. I mean, you can email us at gmail.com, You can visit our website at outofcontractspodbean.com. Contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. And you can also check out the other shows on the Kaleidoscope Media. Uh, podcast network there's here's johnny which is a horror media podcast there's wizard studies which is a harry potter podcast and there is that's not how science works which is a science pop culture podcast so check any of those folks out and until next time thanks everybody for listening
1: thanks everybody bye